On this episode, I'm joined by newest Toronto Raptor, Jeremy Lin. We talked about how he's found his voice in the Asian American community, reminisce about his favorite moments from Linsanity, and whether he is still very much against hot soup. You know, I want to talk to you today about the initiative that you've been working with, with One Day's Wages, uh, an international nonprofit. And before we get into that, you know, I want to ask you, you know, you've spent your 20s as an NBA player, you know, in the public spotlight. How do you think you've changed, you know, during your, from the beginning of your NBA career to now, just as a person and being more aware of just social issues? Um, yeah, definitely changed a lot. You know, I, I grew up in a bubble, um, <clears throat> you know, and, and, uh, I kind of just grew up in the Silicon Valley. And so, um, there wasn't as much going on, but, uh, yeah, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've kind of begun to embrace more and more of this Asian American side of me. Um, and I think in doing so, I've kind of learned a lot and seen a lot, you know, going through insanity and everything afterwards. Um, and so, you know, um, I guess the biggest thing for me is that like, I don't spend as much, like I'm not as solely focused on myself or like my circle or my situation or my bubble. Um, I've taken more time to kind of look outside myself and obviously I haven't done that perfectly and I still need to do that a lot more, um, which I'll be the first to admit, but, uh, one day's wages and, and, and understanding social issues and things like that are, is one of the ways that I can really just expand my horizon and my perspective. So tell me about the trip you took in 2016 with the one day's wages founder, Eugene Cho to Thailand and how that started this partnership for you. You know, I, I had read Eugene's book and I was like, man, uh, this book is incredible. And so I got in touch with them, but that's kind of how it all started. And, um, we took a trip to Thailand and that was amazing because, uh, you know, I was able to get on the ground and see firsthand so many of the things that were going on. Um, and, and just to walk the streets of, of the red light district and to hear stories and to hear people, um, who are working with a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of them are victims, um, whether, whether it's victims of the situation or, or the cycle or actual victims where like, if they don't, you know, if they try to break out, uh, first they get tricked. They think they're going in as a waitress and then they get turned into, you know, um, sex trafficking victims. And then if they try to run away, then their families, they're, you know, they're told that they're, they're going to kill their families. Um, and things, stories like that. Um, so I think it's really disturbing. Uh, a lot of things that like, once you kind of experience it or see it, like you can't forget it. Um, and I think that's, uh, after that, I was like, man, this is, uh, something that we need to learn more about and we need to learn more of these issues and see how I can bring more exposure, more awareness or more resources, or how can I mobilize my fans to make a difference? Yeah, so One Day's Wages is a nonprofit fighting extreme global poverty and also challenges and complexities dealing with human trafficking, education, and working with vulnerable children. And you've donated a game day's worth of wages for three years now. Is that correct? Yeah. 
how has this experience or that experience kind of opened your eyes to not just you know things that are happening there, but just things that are happening around the world? Are you like just being more conscious of things now versus like we talked about earlier, like you know when you were growing up? Yeah, a lot of it is just also like reading, like being knowledgeable of what's going on around the world, and um, like All Star Break, we're going to Haiti and we're visiting some NGOs out there with one day's wages as well, um, and so finding pockets of time where I can be strategic and go and help and see. And, um, and like a lot of it is having conversations too, you know, talking to my teammates, seeing where they've been from. And we've all traveled the world and gone to different places and, um, you know, doing research yourself of the issues or reading books. Like these things are all like super, super important. What about the trips you make? Cause during the off season, I know you go to different parts of, of Asia. What have those, trips been like like going to taiwan i know you talked about growing up in silicon valley but going there and like seeing the culture up close what's that been like for you that's been amazing uh you know i think for me uh you know my parents being born and raised in um you know in taiwan and my my grandparents being born and raised in china just going back and seeing all the fans um every summer in asia and being able to be on the ground and be a part and be immersed in the culture. And I've been spending more and more time in Asia up to like two months sometimes. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm fluent in the language. And, and so for me, it's just, uh, it's really, really nice. Uh, because if you just stay at home or you stay in the NBA, you only see the NBA bubble and to get out of that and to be able to talk to my fans, to see them face to face, to interact with them, and just to be immersed in Chinese culture is like uh, liberating in a lot of ways. And as you, as I pick up more and more of like the intricacies of Chinese culture, even like now it's like, you know, we're doing a lot of business and doing a lot of different things. Like last year I filmed that reality show and things like that. And so like being in those situations, I just, I get a, deeper understanding of my roots and also like why I am the way I am, why I think the way I think like things like that. It's like, you know, always, you know, why am I still concerned about like being polite or whatever? It's like, dude, that's deeply, deeply ingrained to be like, could she and like things like that. Like that's very, very much a part of, you know, Chinese culture or like, why am I so like drawn to my family? Like, uh, you know, family piety is just something that's really, really emphasized in Chinese culture as well. And so there's so many different things that I'm starting to see at a deeper level. Like I always knew them to some degree, but the more time I spend over there, the more I really understand my parents and, and, and my upbringing more. And are you having more conversations with your parents about this? I imagine they they try to, you know, tell you about the culture, what it's like back home when you were growing up, things like that. Oh, for sure. I, uh, even like this past summer, I, I just, spent like I took I, I went to hang out with my mom and then I went to hang out with my dad and individually I asked them like just question after question after question after question about how they were raised and my grandfathers because I never met either of them um and then like you know their whole situation and I was like man this is like these stories are ridiculous um and and so I I really, you know, and then I start to see my aunts and uncles differently and, and seeing the hardship that they went through. Like, it was honestly, it was incredible. And you've been more outspoken, I feel like, in recent years about things. Like in 2016, 
you know, Chris Rock made a Asian stereotype joke on the Oscars and you spoke out about that and you've talked about, you know, some other things too within the Asian American community. Um, what's the biggest challenge for you just, you know, being a more outspoken voice now for these issues? I don't know if there are that many challenges that come with it. Um, or being more comfortable, think, just growing more comfortable with, with do, being that role because I, I think a lot of people do look to you sometimes to be a voice in yeah. the community, right? Yeah, but I have to be, uh, you know, um, I think early on I, I, I kind of ran from it because that's all everyone ever, anyone ever wanted to assign uh, me to was, oh my goodness, like, he's not just a basketball player, he's an Asian basketball player. And that's all anybody could ever talk about was just how I was Asian, 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 Asian. And I was like, dude, I want you to respect me for my basketball. Um, and so I kind of ran from it when I was younger, but then after going through the insanity and, and seeing the way that the world handled that and just how not ready the world was for, you know, Asians to be on the scene in, you know, in, you know, in mainstream sports and to see, um, Asian American masculinity and to think, see um, just the the perception or the misconceptions of Asian people just constantly being thrown out there. It was, it, it put, it, it kind of left me with a heavier heart. And I was like, you know what? I need to say something. I need to do something. Um, and, and so uh, that was something, you know, that for me, they was like, man, this is my development. This is my growth as a person off the court to really like make an impact. Like I need to understand way more what's going on. I need to develop deeper convictions and I need to speak out at the right times. And I have a team of people around me that help me with a lot of these different things and um, keep me up to date. And um, we've, you know, we've done a lot of different things to educate ourselves more at a deeper level and taking classes, reading books, going on trips, things like that. Just so I can understand these issues at a deeper level and not just like speak half-heartedly or, um, yeah. And have you connected with, you know, other prominent, successful Asians, like in another industry, you know, entertainment, music, anything of that kind to have these conversations? Cause I feel like a, yeah, a person definitely. like you, you know, like you're in a position of, you know, being, having this public platform that's, that's for, that not a lot of people have, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely have done that, and uh, whether it's actors or musicians or um, entertainers or, you know, anything really, like, if there's any way I can support too, you know, I'm always trying to, and so um, obviously, you know, we've seen, you know, I've, I've appeared on Fresh Off the Boat, I bought out a theater for um, Crazy Rich Asians, and I've done collabs and different things with other people, whether it's, you know, in YouTube or popping into a, a music video or things like that. You know, I, I love supporting anything that promotes, you know, uh, Asian excellence. And, and I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of amazing things out there. And that's uh, something that I feel like, man, I feel so blown away at the support I've been given. And I want to give as much support as I can to back to everybody else as well. I feel like you have enough clout to get yourself a cameo in the Crazy Rich Asian sequel. You think you'll pursue that? <laughs> uh, if they ask me, uh, you know, uh, you know, we'll make it happen. You're not gonna just, you know, use your status and and just demand it. I feel like you could pull some strings and make it happen. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm not like aggressive, you know, in terms of like I'm not gonna force my way in. It's more just 
if they want me to be a part of it, you know, uh, we'll try to see if we can get our schedules to align. But if not, like I, I have no problem supporting the way I, I, I did through social and buying out the, you know, a theater and, um, you know, posting stuff. And obviously, you know, I've, I've met Constance before, um, and we were on fresh off the boat together and things like that. So, uh, in the same episode, in the same scene, in the same episode. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, I, it, I'm here to support, but it doesn't have to be in a certain way. It's, it's whatever way that everyone's comfortable with. You know, your fans are going to hear this and start a petition for you now, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk about the fans too. I mean, everywhere you go and, and also online, you know, I'm sure you're aware there's a huge fan presence for you. Um, what is that? What is that like? Because I feel like that's also different. Like, there's not a lot of guys in the NBA that has the kind of dedicated fan following that you have. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. Um, and everyone talks about it. Um, but I absolutely love it. And just for me to be able to have that amount of uh, support, I'm just like, everywhere I go, there's times where it's literally like, it feels like a home game and there's times where it's just like everybody is like before the game, you're warming up or after the game, you're leaving and there's just groups of fans. And when I go over to Asia every summer, it's like um, just so many people lined up in the airport and things like that. I mean, it's I, honestly, it's so when I, when I have to like all most of my moments when I'm like, dude, I have to pinch myself or is this, serious or I can't believe this is still going on like it's 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 in these situations because you know as a basketball player you think like oh you've been you know I've been injured for two straight years and I haven't played and um haven't made the playoffs and got traded to you know the Hawks which was the worst team in the Eastern Conference last year and you know there's just so many hits and things that happen where my career has gone in so many different directions but recently it's been more just like in a downward decline um and i'm talking you know leading up to this upcoming season and then all of a sudden you know as i start playing this this season it's still like the support is there full force everywhere i go people wearing my jerseys people bringing signs people cross crossing the uh the world to come watch me play and um so it, it's just you know the fact that I feel like my fans haven't really wavered. I'm just like, dude, that's crazy. Yeah. I was at the Toronto Atlanta game recently here at, you know, when the Raptors played at home and, you know, I saw that, you know, after the game you went out and had a meet and greet with some of the fans and, you know, some of them bring some of the craziest things for you to sign. I think there was a fan who wanted you to sign his rice scooper. Um, what's the craziest thing that someone a fan has asked of you or brought for you? Um, it's always weird when they ask me to sign like their face or their hand or whatever. Um, I mean, I've had signed a lot of crazy things. I've signed like designer bag, like really, really like I'm talking like really high end wallets and phone cases and laptop cases, laptop phone, like pretty much everything. Um, yeah. I I can't think of too many things that I haven't signed. <laughs> so when you get a request to sign like someone's face or a designer bag, d- 
do you check with them twice or do you just do it? I'm like, dude, no, are you sure? And they're like, yes, please. I'm like, no. And they're like, no, I really want you to. I was like, uh, okay, fine. Has your signature, actual signature, like evolved over time? I feel like after a while, if you sign so many things, I would just like scribble a J or something like that. In the very, very beginning, I had a really long signature. And then after like my first year, I just shortened it and have kept that same one ever since. Yeah. So you've learned. You've been more efficient about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where I've, I've had to sign maybe uh, thousands of things in, in one day. Um, you know, maybe a couple thousand or something like that. And, uh, you know, during those times, you really contemplate, uh, <laughs> is this the most efficient thing? <laughs> like, do I need to short my, my, my autograph? I think you should get one of those stamps. You know, you can just stamp you them. Said what? You should get one of those stamps. Like, get your signature on those oh, stamps. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, I, I, if we were allowed to do that, I would. You know, in that meet and greet with the fans in Toronto, too, you talked about, how one of your inspirations was Naruto. Um, tell me a little bit about just your, you know, anime and manga interests growing up, and what, why, why Naruto? Um, it's not really an interest in anime. It's just Naruto. Um, that's the only anime I watched. That's the only one I've ever watched. Um, and my brothers watched it. Basically, my brothers and anybody, like any of my closest friends, have all watched it, and. Um, I just really relate to him because he's somebody who has been counted out um, and wasn't expected to turn into what he, you know, turned into and had people around him that really contributed to that. And um, a lot of things, you know, I, I just really respect his passion and his drive. And so like, even when things looked crazy or like the obstacle seems insurmountable, like God has continually brought me up and over some of the most miraculous situations and the biggest obstacles and um, God coming through in the 11th hour to open a door that I didn't ever think was going to be opened and uh, things like that. And so, um, you know, when I sometimes get discouraged or need some inspiration, I'll go watch, watch him. And he always thought, you know, that's my, my, uh, you know, that's my ninja way. I will become Hokage or like, I'll never give up, like give up on me giving up. Um, things like that, where it's just like, man, he just kept going and going and going. And it never really looked like he was going to be that strong or never looked like he was the strongest at any time, but he kept fighting and kept training. And so, um, I just love the story. Uh, I love, even more beyond that, I love the values that they promote too. They talk a lot about family and loyalty and friendship and people bringing the best out of each other and teamwork and stuff like that. And so it's very uh, family friendly show. So when you were teammates with Spencer Dinwiddie, he didn't try to get you into anything else because he's a huge anime no. guy. He didn't try to get you to, on Dragon no. Ball, any of that. No, <laughs> we have we have a few big time anime anime, uh, you know fans on this team as well who's but i mean people have tried to be like you should check this out or you should do this or you should check that out and i'm like no <laughs> i'm sticking with naruto and why and why is that why are you just sticking with just naruto uh just because that's like i'm not like that that interested in anime per se um it's just like 
I don't have a desire to explore and check out other ones. Like I haven't even finished Naruto. I haven't finished Naruto Shippuden or started Boruto yet. So I have plenty to go on my end. So another interest of yours is esports. You own an esports team, right? Yeah. So tell me about your your venture into that. Um, I mean, that's something that just you know I've always been big into esports, and I've wanted to in Dota and different things like gaming and I've always kind of wanted to after I saw it becoming viable I was like dang like this industry is going to grow and it's going to grow into something really big and uh, the world is becoming increasingly more digital and um, tech tech savvy and uh, more and more people are getting into gaming and gaming is becoming more and more mainstream Um, and so I've always wanted to really make sure that the privileges that I enjoy as a professional basketball player um, that these young kids who are professional gamers are able to enjoy as well. We enjoy really lucrative three-year, four-year, five-year contracts. We have state-of-the-art facilities and we have, you know, uh, certain benefits and plans that take care of us for our lives. And we have 401k uh, matches and contributions and, you know, different things to help us with uh, financial planning. And, and so we have all these different resources. And so um, how do we bring that to uh, the, the gaming industry so that these young professional gamers who may have a great tournament and win a couple million dollars at the age of 17, like not go broke? Or how do we get these gamers to really not be exploited by the industry or by the people that are in charge? Do you think you could be a professional gamer? You play a lot, right? No. No? No, I couldn't. Level? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I wish. I wish. But you're like, you're better than average though, right? Like the games that you play? Um. Yeah, yeah. I would say in Dota, I was, I think it was like 90, like in the top 10% maybe Um. in Dota. Yeah, so that's pretty good. I feel like that's all, that's not almost professional gamer level. No, professional gamer is like the top point one. Okay. So you're like a G League level I'm gamer. I'm pretty far off. Like a G League. I'm like I'm like I could prob I could possibly play in college. <laughs> okay. <laughs> possibly at a lower college is probably where I'm at in the gaming world. Okay. So just wanna ask you a bunch of miscellaneous questions before you go. Um, you know, when you, you started out with the Golden State Warriors. You know, you played with Steph Curry before he was, you know, who Steph Curry is now. When you were around him, could you see that, you know, this was a guy who could turn out to be, like, one of the biggest, greatest players of all time and just completely change the game of basketball? Um, I knew he was going to be good. I didn't think he was going to be, or I didn't know he was going to be that, that good. I mean, I knew he was still really, really good, and I knew he was young. So I didn't really put a ceiling on him, but I didn't, expect him to be, you know, what is it, three championships and um, all this other stuff, MVP and just breaking every type of record. Um, But I had all the respect for him, um, for sure, Uh, playing against him every day, seeing how he approached the game, seeing how much he loved the game. When you were in New York, you were really close with Landry Fields. You guys had that, your own kind of routine. Um, before the game, you still keeping in touch with Landry? Yeah, yeah, I still keep in touch with him. Yeah, do you guys 
how's he doing and do you guys just reminisce about those days um he's doing well and he's actually working for the spurs um in their uh, front office and so um yeah we still we still talk we don't always reminisce but every once in a while we will but um i think we both have kind of moved on past it but i mean that was a great time of our lives and, and we've we've uh, always enjoyed it and you know enjoyed that specific time and we're like man that was you know it was, to us it's really just god's power um on display to to the world when you go back to some of these arenas like madison square garden or here in toronto where you hit the game winner you know is it still special to you going back maybe some of those memories come back i know it's been a few years now uh yeah i mean i don't think about it all that much to be honest but um you know, yeah, I don't think about it all that much, but every once in a while when I do think about it, it's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's really, really, yeah, it's, it's really, really cool just to kind of think back to it and be like, dang, that really happened. You know how many Asians still just pull up those Linsanity highlights, like the game you had against the Lakers, like <laughs> all the time, like just as inspiration. I didn't them. know that. You realize people do that day to day, right? <laughs> I didn't know that, but. I appreciate you telling me that. <laughs> so when you were in Charlotte, Rich Cho, um, he's a well-known foodie. Did you guys exchange food tips, recommendations? Uh, I had like asked him for some recommendations, but we were, yeah, but we were in Charlotte. So at that time too, I don't think the food scene was as jumping as it is now in Charlotte. Like now when you go, it's, there's definitely new restaurants and different things that have popped up. Um, but, um, but I definitely did ask him for like recommendations and stuff like that. And you controversially said you don't like hot soup, any soup, a few <laughs> years ago. Has that stance changed? Oh, yeah. I still don't, I still don't like hot liquid. Hot soup, pho, ramen, coffee, tea, anything that's like in, that has like boiling hot liquids, I'm not, I'm not a fan of. So if, if your brothers go to a, a ramen place and meet you there, what are you going to order? I'm gonna order a dry ramen, or I'll get something else completely different. Like if it's, you know, they'll they'll get ramen, and I'll get you know sushi or chicken teriyaki. Um, I got the whole thing figured out, you know, because I've been dealing with it my whole life. If we go if they want to go get pho, I might get pho and then drain all the liquid. I might uh, I might just order banh mi's. I might get the lemongrass chicken rice rice plate. Like I have that whole. If they go and get go to a coffee spot or a tea spot or whatever like i'll just go get my own like iced tea or iced coffee or you know get some snacks so um i'm never in a position where i'm where i have to be drinking uh some hot liquid unless i'm like you know my mom's pretty big into bone broth uh chicken chicken broth like teaching she's like really big into it so i have to drink drink that a good amount um and every once in a while when i get sick and stuff like i may have to you know, have some 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 other soups, but uh, for the most part, <laughs> I don't have to. It's just you just don't like hot liquid. It's just something you just don't like. Yeah, I just I just don't like really hot liquid. I don't like any. I just don't. Yeah, I don't like drinking anything that's hot. To be honest, like I don't even like lukewarm. Like I don't even like lukewarm water for the most part. I mean, I drink it all the time during games, and I mean, I drink a lot of it, but like. If I ever had a preference, I would always take anything, everything iced. Um, I just like really iced everything. Um, <laughs> so if it's tea, like rather than drink green tea, I'd rather have ice green tea or um, 
iced coffee or things like that. Okay, now I have to ask you, do you like durian? Have you tried durian? Uh, That's the thing that smells terrible. (laughs) Yeah, the fruit. Yeah, no. I mean, I've tried it before, but anything, I remember, I I think I tried it this past summer. Anything that smells disgusting, I can't. Like, tofu, like smelly tofu is like off limits for me. Like, if I smell it and it's disgusting, then I really can't eat it. (laughs) Anything else on your list that you don't just have banned? Food wise, um, no, that's pretty much it. Like besides that, I eat everything. I love food. I just don't love hot liquids. Yeah, perfect. All right, Jeremy, I know you got to go. So best of luck with the rest of the season, and everyone else. If you want to check out One Day's Wages, it's at onedayswages.org. dot org. And uh, Jeremy, thanks for taking the time. Cool, appreciate it. <laughs>